Welcome, movie fans. Today on uh, Anatomy of Movie, we will dissect what should be an otherwise sort of cliche movie because it takes two storylines, one a custody battle, one a math genius, and yet it blends it so perfectly, creating a gift of a movie, if you will. Stay tuned as we dissect Gifted. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion. <laughs> In case you didn't and know. Interview. <laughs> Popcorn Talk. We're back. Why don't we, uh, why don't we retake start. that again? <laughs> Let's do a third time's the charm, huh? Thanks for... He muted us. You ready to go again, Anthony? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Here on Anatomy of a Movie, we're talking what should be an otherwise very cliche movie. It takes the custody storyline and a math genius storyline, and yet blends them in such a perfect way that it's almost a great gift. That's right. We're talking about gifted. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I am excited. Uh, I believe you guys are equally excited. Uh, we have Marissa Serafini. And we have Dimitri Panos. Is this thing on? Oh, hey! Hey, movie fans, what's going on? Welcome! Marissa, is your Good mic hot? I don't know. There we there go. We there go. it is. There we go. <laughs> Technology. Uh, as always, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We assume that you've seen the movie, so, uh, you know, because you there's going to be spoilers. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I think more and more people have been watching our show prior to seeing the movie. I, like, I've been reading the comments, and people have been watching us, so... I think if you are, look, we're going to spoil the hell out of the movie. You're going to know the ending and who lives, who dies, who cries. But if we inspire you to see a movie. You just spoiled it. So who there died? There you go. Who died? <laughs> who died? died? I'm just saying it's, it's been sort of kind of a, I've been watching, like people have been commenting saying, well, I haven't seen the movie, but I saw your breakdown. It was great. It makes me want to go see the movie. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. We're doing that's something. I, hey, we're doing something. We're doing something. <laughs> we're getting people to the movies. So, hey. Having them turn us off and go to the movies. <laughs> um, so we appreciate it. But, um, so you've been warned. So if you don't want spoilers, don't stick around. Come back to us after you've seen the movie. Or if you just don't care and want to learn, um, then we'll do it. And, uh, also, for, if you're joining us for the very first time, we talk about story. We talk about production um, and everything between, you know, the reception, how much it made. And so forth. But as we always do, let's start with overall thoughts. And why not ladies first? I really enjoyed this film. As most people know me, like I like good heartfelt movies. And this was a very heartwarming movie. I think there was a great balance of drama. And then like there was dry comedy humor jokes and the one lines th- peppered within. Amongst a talent of cast, uh, we had you know Chris Evans, Octavia Spencer, and heck even Grace. She was fantastic, and I think it was it was a nice balance of like a real raw serious story with some light and levity. And there, there were characters I liked everybody in this film, mm-hmm. and I thought it was just so 
well crafted and put together. And then even at the end of the film, I left it like smiling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the Dimitri movie meter scale, uh, one being made me angry, two being didn't make me angry, three being good, and four being wicked good. This, this for me, is like wicked good. This is a four-star wicked good uh, movie. It's the first true good, feel very good movie of 2017. Uh, it's anchored by, I think, some very excellent performances by Chris Evans. It was refreshing to see him shed the shield and play a different kind of superhero uh and one that's rooted in a little more reality but a superhero nonetheless we can talk about that later and in particular this mckenna grace uh, who plays uh who plays mary she as a she shows up a child actor doesn't have to mug for a performance, she 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 performed with ease and great affection, and then we got Octavia Spencer, uh, who is proving to be, uh, in my opinion, like she's the feel good movie, you know, good luck charm. You know, she was recently in The Shack and Hidden Figures, which we loved, and she was fantastic in. You know, and she was a great strong presence, um, and yet she's tender and kind, and she provides comedic relief, uh, and the movie sets up. It's dilemma of how should this gifted child be served? And I really think that that, at the beginning, it's not evidently clear what's best. But they pose two sides of an issue that I thought were fair. Um, and, and, I, and I enjoy that it was that smart. And as the movie goes on, it becomes a little less fuzzy. And it does it in a way that earns emo- every emotional beat, I think, with... Uh, Slight contrivance here and there, but it doesn't overshadow the movie. And uh, one of my favorite scenes, we will talk later, is a scene that takes place in a hospital that I thought, for me, had this emotional impact that was great, just the way that it was set up. And, um, you know, for me, this is very clever. It it, it had, uh, at the end, like you said, I walked out feeling really good, and the emotional ride was genuine and well-deserved throughout. So, uh, yeah, not enough good things to say about how I, I felt I felt good. It was a good movie. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what I loved about this movie is that I, I was really nervous um, at the point where we came to the conclusion, okay, here's the compromise, here's what the compromise is going to be. And much in the there's people with the philosophy of like, well, a good compromise is where both people get fucked. <laughs> right? And it seemed like that was it. And it just felt like such an unsatisfying ending. And if it was going that route, I would have felt very dissatisfied. And yet, you know, because it was, okay. What I loved about the movie is that um, Evelyn and Frank were so great at presenting their argument. And as you guys said, like, they both were right. And they were both were wrong. Um, and yet it was very hard to choose. And then, okay, so you're like, well, there's got to be a third option. And then we're presented with that third option. And then you're like, ah. And yet... The brilliance is that there's a fourth option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was, to me, what was great about the Evelyn character um, was that in other movies that would be more trite and commonplace and, and fallen and cliche, she would be the dastardly villain, right? And this Lindsay Duncan who played Evelyn I thought was, was really great in this role. But they don't, you understand her motivations. Okay, whether as an audience member you agree or disagree with them, you at least understand 
what she's trying to do because there are other characters in the movie like the principal who sort of have the same feeling of you should get her into a better school. She should be better nurtured in mathematics. And she, you know, that's what she is. The grandmother was trying to do. And yes, she is sort of kind of set up. She's the antagonist to Chris Evans character, but she wasn't like, I'm going to steal the child away from like, she wasn't set up to be such a horrible villain. You at least were able to understand the motivations behind what she was trying to do, whether you agree or disagree. And it's the same with Chris Evans' character, too. Well, it was, that it was, was smart. The, you know, uh, specifically for me, um, and we'll backtrack in a moment, but specifically for me, that courtroom scene where um, Frank's lawyer is going at her about, um, in particular, the boyfriend that, whatever, kidnapped mm-hmm. her, but they ended up going to Stowe, Vermont for skiing. Um, you know, she... It could have been very easily left there of like, okay, that she just did this, but she, her justification for that and the passion for which we, she delivered that. Lindsay Duncan as Evelyn was fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, uh, of just saying like, listen, she has, a, you know, uh, you know, she has that one in a billion things and that, you know, it's deserved for the world and that's what, you know, and, and, and to not allow her to really do that. And, and, and foster that is a crime beyond any proportion. She believed that. And, and right. you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of makes That does make sense. Well, it makes sense. And, you know, it's it sort of kind of reminds it that type of character in movies has been overdone and almost cliche. You know, you can even point back to, like, Dead Poets Society, Kurtwood Smith's father figure who was like, you have to do this. He was so stringent upon his rules, upon his son, about what he had to do to accomplish to go to college and whatnot. In the end, other characters have been sort of kind of like that. John Hughes really picks apart those those parental figures that are like that. And in here, like I said, there was motivation behind it. And whether you agreed with it or not, you at least understood where she was coming from. So that even though she was zinged in court and she got it good, when she came back, yeah, she had that anger and passion and only and, and as a strong actress could only deliver it that way. And she was great. You understood it, like you said. You may not agree, like, uh, but it was a strong performance in that scene. Yep. And uh, you could see her passion for what she wanted to do, right or wrong. Uh, everybody believed they had their best interest at heart for Little Mary. Yeah. Um, and by the way, directed by Mark Webb, so it's good to see him sort of back in this game. Uh, he did 500 Days of Summer and then uh, did the two amazing Spider-Mans, which the second one was not that amazing, unfortunately. And so he's not continuing that, and neither is that... Um, yeah, we can talk about but. that when we go talk Spider-Man. But yeah, it's good to see him, and he was happy to be back in into these yeah. sort of uh, uh, independent-type, uh, smaller-character-driven movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marissa, you want to give us the, uh, the backstory of how it came to be? Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, got Mark Webb, of course, uh, part of this, but uh, it was actually, he actually has connections to, like, uh, a personal collection connection to mathematics um his uh, let me say his dad helped him write the uh, speech for you know math um his uncle's an engineer his niece is actually really good 
at um, at mathematics. So like he grew up with a family of mathematicians and people who were you know good at computing numbers and stuff. And so when he read the script, he was you know very it, it related to him and like he was really connected to it and. Yeah, and he just kind of went from there. Well, I, yeah, and just even going a little bit farther back, so Karen Lunder, who, who produced this, she also produced uh, a little movie that I think we sort of liked called The Arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she was trying to figure out what her next project was, and she went to this Andy Cohen producer and then and, and asked him like if there was anything that he had that was great and different and what he was most excited about, and he sent her Gifted. And when she read the script, she was just like, I, I, yes, we have to bring this to the screen. Um, you know, Andy Cohen had said that Tom Flynn writ- had written something very special. And, you know, he loved that. He loved the characters. They were fully realized. Um, and they were looking for, you know, what kind of how we can get the pieces of the puzzle, whether it's, you know, the director, uh, how we get our casting in. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, how these things come apart. It's like, yeah, I'm just looking for something. Well, here, check out this script. And uh, this Thomas, uh, I believe his name is uh, Tom Flynn had written this one. And, yeah, everybody just loved it from the get-go. Uh, yeah, it was it, it, it's typical of a lot of the indie movies that we talk about. It was on the blacklist of scripts. Um, you know, the blacklist being scripts that are great, but... Um, I don't know. They, they theorize that oh, the studio's never going to take this. Mm-hmm. And Webb even was like when he was reading it, he kept on like he was waiting. He, he, and it's a quote: "I kept on waiting for the script to get bad, but it just kept getting better. It yeah. was simple, warm, uncynical." And he said, "He, Mary and Frank are something like a comedy team with a lot of heart." <laughs> and when you think about it, too, like yes, I love their dialogue. There, there, there. The repartee. It was sort of uh, Joss Whedon-ish, but without the edge. But it had the easy flow and logical kind of dialogue. Uh, and again, this McKenna Grace is Mary just carried it off and she was able to pull it off very well. And like I said, it was really great to see Chris Evans play in this kind of a role. Um, well, you got to remember Chris Evans, like everyone knows him as, you know... Captain America, but he actually did dramatic roles before he was part of Marvel, so he just got back to his actual raw, real talent. So I, I got to give it to Chris Evans, but yeah, Mark Webb, in we're still going off in development. He has good um, rapport with Searchlight, Fox Searchlight, which and the the uh, the director of Fox Searchlight, uh, the president actually. Pre- President of production Claudia Lewis like had full confidence in Mark Webb to get this film made. Yeah, and it was because of Mark Webb that Chris Evans actually boarded. He he was more he was to an to an extent even more interested in working with Mark. He loved the uh, you know he loved the script, but he was actually very interested in working with Mark. Um, probably because of like Five Hundred Days of Summer um, and, and such, which I believe was a Fox Searchlight movie as well. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm. You know, just really quickly upon Chris Evans, I really like I I like the reminder that he can be a fantastic guy. Like we saw him in Snowpiercer, but again, a smaller movie that I doubt many people have seen. That Octavia Spencer was also in. Also in, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great film. And even it's a like good movie. He, you know, he remember he was in Fantastic Four, so like he's been doing superhero movie stuff for a long time. But it, you know, it's just a refreshing 
f- thing to see him uh, take on this role. And uh, by the way, for purposes of discussion, Andy Cohen, not the same Andy Cohen from Bravo. Right. <laughs> so anyone right. listening, they'll be like, wait. The Bravo guy? Yeah. No. Yeah, a different guy. So, uh, yeah, no, and it, and it really was, and it was it was good. And you know what? He actually seemed to have, he performed as if that weight of the shield was off his shoulders, yeah. you know? And, and I really appreciated that. Um, and going back to the writing, uh, Tom Flynn um, credits his inspiration for writing this is actually his sister, uh, his, his sister, whom he describes as, quote, the most unassuming, ridiculously smart person you've ever met. He said when she was five, everyone in the family was afraid of her, and she was so determined. And when I think about that, I do think about little Mary, about her in class, and the scowls, like if somebody said, she, you know, I, I could see how people could be afraid of her for being sort of kind of different. So... Um, and she and, and 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 Flynn goes on, and I learned how important it was to have fun too. And if she hadn't, she might have been doomed. And she was that that jumping off point for gifted, which is thematically one of the main things about childhood versus what we're going to put her into. Yeah. So let's we'll, we'll, let's start diving into story. Um, I do want to open this up with, with this. Um, in terms of the premise, one of the things I love, um, and it's a shame that. We'll talk about on box office interception that it's not getting the credit that it deserves right now, in my opinion. But I love the idea that it, it can be so inspiring in the sense that math is good, or just just even the, the the pursuit of knowledge is not a bad thing. And at the same time, you can have fun doing it. Or as uh, Frank put in the movie, like, listen, if Einstein could ride a bike, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, which I think you know, it, for so long, it's the un. It, it, it's uncool to be smart in school and things of that nature. And I think this just sends that message of you can do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so rare to see um, because I think there is that cliche of like, okay, if, if, if you go down the smarts path, then you, you are giving up everything. Right. Um, so I, I just love that message and I, and I wish it could get out even further. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I liked it. I, I think it's also just like the importance of also – having someone of a normal life growing up because they they said it in in the movie it's like there's no social skills she doesn't have friends and so like the importance of being a regular human being and going through all the things that train you and like raise you and like all your qualities that you create for your personality when you're growing up that's also just important as the in um the education that you're getting or will be getting in the future but like going to brownies and you're building you know the social skills going to school mm-hmm. um the the essential basics and foundations of life is also important too yeah and, and that's what i particularly liked about um her dad played by chris evans um his uh frank adler knowing what his act with his sister his, his his sister in the movie whom we never meet but we know that she committed suicide but she was also a brilliant mathematician and was steered down the path of you're going to study 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 and when she veered off that path we had it's that monologue of, you know it wasn't <clears throat> well it didn't end up happy because of intervention by mom and how when you took away that aspect, it became a very unhappy life, and it ended up in the, in suicide. Whether her her capabilities, she just couldn't take the pressure anymore. And 
what the other thing that I really liked about this too is that we learn about Frank Adler's past. Mm-hmm. He too was a professor or professor's assistant in philosophy at Boston University. So he was he's at a, a big time school, you know, he was an educator as well. And he he quit that life to take care of Mary and got her away from, well, Evelyn, the big city, and put her into a more rural neighborhood in Florida. And I, you know, his biggest dilemma, and he said this at least two times in the movie, is I'm afraid whether or not I'm doing good by her. And he just wanted her to have a life. He saw what happened in Boston and how that took toll on his sister. He didn't want Mary to have the same life. He wanted her to grow up. And in in his instance, he was so on his end that he's the mathematics was sort of kind of very secondary. Like he just wanted her to be so he wanted her to have friends and have friends over and that was even proving hard because she was so above everybody in the class that they were afraid to be with her except for that one boy which was which was cute but and that's what i liked about the the philosophy of this movie well i want to run something by you guys because uh you know the initial instinct was diane couldn't handle the pressure uh, or some you know or she just didn't want to have that and and it's come to be revealed and we don't spend enough time movie wise kind of considering the fact but i do want to you know in, in in hindsight looking back on it it wasn't the pressure right it was the fact that she had completed this work and it was the fact of oh shit what's next what, what do i do mm-hmm. you know and that fact of like okay i i i think if, if i was to deduce anything um it's the fact that she looks at her life. Okay, what's next is more of the same. I, yes, I did this. It's a moment, but it's supposed to be a culmination of a lifetime. And if this is what my lifetime has been worth, it's, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't have a boyfriend. I'm not socially. I'm not a social person. Well, it's not I like she and, she had yeah. anything else to live for. Right. Yeah. Like she completed her life, and there was no fulfillment at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I found that to be a very interesting point. Um, and, and obviously that therein lied um, Frank's dilemma was, okay, like, listen, if she might have this gift, but is it going to fulfill her? And, and what I liked about how it was in the movie is that it, it more or less comes out almost as a twist. Because it's revealed towards the end of the movie um, when he realizes that Evelyn now... Who's sort of kind of breaking the rules of what their the, the arrangement of what was. the arrangement oh, yeah. was, one hundred percent. And you know, he just shows up, gets everybody out of the room, and because he he knew he's like he knew that she was involved in one way, shape, or form. We'll talk about the cat thing, but by throwing that down on the table, that just tips off that Frank Adler from the beginning of the movie knew what it was, and he didn't want that life. And he knew that uh, his sister didn't more than likely would not want that life for Mary, because once you achieve that greatness, once you peak, it happens to many people. Once you peak, what do you do from there? And you can only go further if you have good support, whether it be familial or mm-hmm. whether it be friends. And obviously, the sister 
Yeah. Like Dude. activities to look right. forward to. Sure. Like, you know, being in Skiing. brownies. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, yeah. It, it, again, like he presented her with more opportunities than the sister had ever. So like the fact that she had like more friends and opportunities to look forward to other than just learning math every single right. day. It just gave her more reasons t- to live and be happy. Yeah. So, but it was a nice twist because it really did. It gave more oomph to, to uh, Chris Evans's character, though. Absolutely, and that it was ironic that he was a philosophy major because this is all, you know, he's grappling it with, with himself of like philosophically, what's the right answer here? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. And the mere fact that the character could say, "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. I love the conversation when we saw them two in front of the sunset and they're they're talking about life and philosophy and God and existence, you know, that existential type of conversation. And then it makes sense later when it also is revealed he was a philosophy major. Sure. Ah, I got it. Yeah. And and, and it's it's weird too because it's sort of, it's not being marketed as a faith-based movie. Um, there are hints of it in there, but it's not a full-on faith-based, faith-based movie. And um, I, it, and again, when you when you have an adult talking about those important issues with a six-year-old, okay, how do you how are you going to make this like palpable? But it worked. Also, the other thing too is the scene in the hospital. The scene in the hospital was what a good professor and/or teacher does. They would teach by example. They wouldn't teach by... Like, he could have said, you know, when you were born, it's the happiest day of everybody's life, okay? But you don't comprehend that unless you take a road trip to the hospital and say, come with me, you. Come with me, Octavia Spencer. We're going for a ride. What are we doing in the hospital? Wait for it. Wait for it. And... For as long as it takes. Yeah, for as long as it takes. And I, I'm getting like a little choked up about this because what I liked about it, I, it was just a smart way to prove a, to show up, not to prove a point, but to show a point. Because Mary was uh, upset because her biological dad, who didn't live too far away, she's like, "Why doesn't he want to be with me?" And you know, he's my dad, and and there was there had to be a way for Chris to show the importance. And the, the, the impact that Mary had in people's lives from the moment she came out of the womb, the best way to do that was to show that. And it was just, a, it, to me, it was a beautiful scene because I was like, okay, he, I've never seen it explained. It was, it was learning through example, mm-hmm. and you got it. And uh, It was also, you know, the, the actual visual representation of this is what it's like to actually be family. It was like, and he, for the most part, he's been the surrogate father, the more real father mm-hmm. to um, Mary. to Mary yep. compared to what her biological father was. And add to that, when he throws in, you know, the little kicker, well, who who announced me? And he's like, I did. You know, and that went to show Mary the importance and how much Frank loves Mary. You know, he was the one that came out to whoever was in the hospital waiting. And, I, you know, personal issues, I, you know, I've only been on the, 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 the dichotomy of it all, I've been on the other side um, of that hospital wait. And to see this side and to go, yeah, that that would be, 
anybody who's in that position of give, giving birth, you know, you see it in the movies done a lot, people passing out cigars and everything. This movie did it in a way in which a, a child learned and learned of her importance, but in a but in a really fruitful, meaningful way. I found it to be a very smartly written scene. And, and he's a philosophy professor, so it makes sense. I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna show you by example. I'm show you life. Yep. By the way, it's just a great script technique in the sense of that is a true show don't tell. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. For any screenwriting majors out there, show do not tell. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk. I, I do want to talk about Mary. Why don't we sort of make that as a as a jumping off point? Even though we've been bouncing ideas back and forth. Um, you know, I think she she exemplified a lot of qualities, um, and right from the, uh, you know, I, I think she understood within herself that she wasn't meant for certain roles, and I think every kid kind of feels that way. Um, but I think she had a deeper meaning as to why, because she, you know, obviously with mathematics, she understands something more, way more than most. Um, but at the same time, what I loved about her was the humanity. You know, it's so rare to see. Um, someone portrayed in that way after she had done when she had beaten up the kid when she comes back in class like okay can I say what I really want and her saying like his project was the best showed so much humility um, you know because there was that look on her and, and not even and humility without jealousy and, and again you, she was called upon like Mary do you have something to say to the class and she and the whole thing was to be so she could apologize. And that's what makes the, like, it, it took that, it took the dialogue that one step further. Yeah. Oh, I apologize, it was wrong. But can I say what I really want to say? And that's, that's why I say it was like Joss Whedon-esque because he will write dialogue for his characters about what, people might really want to say instead of like just scripted and I, I really enjoyed that part as well because she stuck up for this kid in a way that nobody else was sticking up for for him and we understood the well, you know the beat down with the book awesome. <laughs> yeah I mean but also the fact that this character at such a young age are already understands right and wrong and actually does something when she sees injustice, kind of, it's not the best way to handle it. But like the fact that she's so young and she she's aware of right and wrong, she has a conscience. I enjoyed. Yeah, and and Frank Adler is as the surrogate dad. Or let's just say the dad when he's in the principal's office, he goes, "Look, I get it. Hitting is wrong, <laughs> but why aren't you focusing on the pa- fact that she stood up for not just herself? She stood up for another classmate. She stood up for somebody else who was being picked on and bullied." Like, how come you don't focus on that? And he goes, and trust me, I'll talk to her about hitting. Not the right way to go about it. But, you know, and it's like, well, geez. Yeah, this is good, smart dialogue between characters. And you can sort of maybe see it going down that sort of way, especially for a father who has pride in her daughter, who inherently has a good heart and is a good person. She's not a brat, right? Yeah. So, she's not a sociopath. No, she's not either. a sociopath. And... I think, too, that the, the, the casting, the, the production knew that the casting is very crucial. And, and I, I'll go farther to say that, that the casting of Mary Adler is the linchpin of the movie. As good as all the adults are, like if you have a kid that's annoying 
or just can't emotionally step up to the plate, so to speak, your movie isn't going to work as well. And and Webb even says that. Mark Webb was like, it was very, like, there was a massive search, and they, they went through hundreds of girls to find the right one. And McKenna Grace, when she auditioned with, it, it was her audition with Evans that their chemistry really wow. clicked. But imagine if it was someone no. not... Well, it is, I mean, you know, it obviously has to work for the movie, but I will say, like, this girl is working a lot. I mean, Marissa, yeah. I don't watch Once Upon a Time, but she was, you she know, was I don't in know. This, this week's episode of Once Upon a Time, I mean, next week's episode. Um, so she she's, she's a great actress, and she's been on a lot of different television shows. She's definitely honing her craft, and she's so talented at such a young age. But like you were saying, Dimitri, they went through 1,000 to two, uh, 1,200 people, uh, young women, searching for this role and they did a lot of chemistry tests with Chris Evans and then uh, generally at, at the end of the search Chris Chris Evans uh, looked at Mark Webb after McKenna left the room and says uh, he just shrugged his shoulder and said that's it that's the the end of your search so she was the girl and I'll add to that during her audition she was accidentally given the wrong sides uh, or the, the 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 parts of the script for her to read, but she memorized them regardless, and she went in and she read them. And um, but once the audition was over, he's like, "We just had a fun time. We just talked." And she she says that she and Webb had an amazing connection together. Um, and another story that they had that uh, McKenna in McKenna's audition. Uh, Mark Webb remembers asking her to prank the cat and pretend a stapler was the one-eyed Fred. <laughs> and it said she made the stapler meow. <laughs> He's like, it was hysterical. And they just couldn't keep a straight face. They picked the right person. They picked the right people all in all. But again, I think the child actress, whoever they were going to pick, is the linchpin to this movie. Because if he, it could go either way. If she's too muggy to the camera, you go, ugh pandering and if she's too annoying you just go annoying like i she was fantastic and she she was great yeah good good i mean she the cliche thing is she's she's gifted maybe not mathematics but certainly acting oh she oh. sucks at math <laughs> <laughs> we can't say that for sure but nonetheless yes no she admits it she, she? she admits that she's not math isn't one of her favorite things that she had to learn the dialogue oh but, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've had so many movies that deal with math. When you look at uh, Hidden Figures, Hidden Figures particularly yeah, opens up with, like, math. the math, uh, according to the accountant, yeah. is all about him doing math. But uh, it was nice to see it from a young girl's perspective. Um, so, and, and, and like I said, I can't, McKenna Grace as Mary um, really held this movie together. And I think she held all the adults together as well. So she was the glue. She was indeed. She, yeah, she was definitely the the thread that connected all the adults together and how they had their conversations. She was the the one rock between yeah. everybody. Well, yeah, she, yeah, she was. She was the focal point. Like even yeah. Octavia Spencer's character is Roberta. Like okay, Octavia was great. Uh, she had a great line uh, to Frank, where she just says to him. If if they take her away from you, I'm going to smother you in your sleep. <laughs> like, she, in a sense, was the surrogate mother. She was the one. 
with the social skills, like teaching her or showing her karaoke or, you know, waving your hands in the air as if you just don't care. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, um, but she also had the, like a great line. It's like, no, I'm not her mother. And, but I will definitely take her. I'd be more than happy to take her this Mm -hmm. week. And then the fact that like she, yes, she is the surrogate mother, but she's always there to actually generally support Mary. That was a great monologue of like, do I want her tonight? And then the whole set. I want her every night. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah um, it was it was great. And, and Octavia Spencer too. Uh, she is quoted to say, "If I were to describe the anatomy of gifted, Mary would be the heart, Frank would be the muscle and the sinew, and Roberta would be the spine." And it all works wonderfully together. And that's why the story resonated with her. And Evelyn she said, the, head, "The brain." The brain. Yeah, 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 I don't know what Evelyn is. But <laughs> I would yeah, say she's, she's the brain. She's, the fiber. <laughs> but um so yeah i you know i get that dynamic and and octavia spencer was was in like she had the script and she knew that chris was in it was chris she goes if you're in I, she called i gotta i gotta be in this uh, apparently they became very friendly after uh snowpiercer um yeah. which is great and look it, it's we said it it's good to see chris like get away from the shield for a little bit it's it's nice to see Octavia Spencer too. Um, she always lends a, a, a warmth, but a comedic value as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of comedy, um, although she's not as comedic in this, but Jenny Slate, um, which you know, uh, we I don't honestly want to go into the behind the scenes, but obviously from this form, Chris <laughs> Evans and, and her relationship, and it's good to see them. I think the, the good example of the two uh, in real life is the fact that they can still be friends and they're very supportive of each other. Um, oh, I didn't even know oh, they yeah. were an item. Sorry. Yeah, they were they, and they, they broke they up. They were a couple. But they're very platonic and they're very friendly and, like you said, supportive. I, um, I thought Jenny Slate was great. Um, I, I know her from the from television as, you know, a comedic person. Um, so, so it's nice to see, the, like, a more serious, more dramatic, kind of softer side. Um, compared to the the brash humor that she tends to do, and she also does a lot of voice acting for you know the funny characters. But it was nice to see her in a more softer light, you know, yeah. this type of heartwarming care in a way another caregiver f- towards Mary. And it could have there were every point there was a new character introduced until I fully got to understand them. I. You know, because I was the part of me was worried, and we'll talk about the reception in terms of Rotten Tomatoes. But of I, you know, I kept wanting to see. Okay, well, why is that? And so when they introduced her teacher character, I was like, oh crap, we're gonna go down the cliche thing where this teacher is now gonna be pissed off at the the kid, and she's gonna try to prove her wrong, and this and that, and and yet, you know, she did it with such subtlety, and then she, the fact that she had her own quizzes for Mary, and she she was doing it to test her because she was brilliant, and then the care that she went into it um very not much what i expected and thankfully so positive no, light I, on I, teachers i agree yeah. with that because you know when you saw her like going one-on-one with mary you think it could be bad but the fact that she now learns that mary's gifted but actually helped her um move forward with her right. education actually maybe got the argue you, you could argue that like this was the start of the downfall in the whole custody battle but it was more so it, like she recognized the talent within Mary and actually helped her try to get better education. Like, right. This is not the place for her. Right. And and the scene uh, at the beginning when we first see Mary in school, you're right. It could have gone down that cliche route where, okay, you little whippersnapper, 
Like, let me, you know, I'm going to teach you a lesson because you don't put the teacher down. But instead, and again, the way that it was performed um, by Miss Late is that, oh, okay, so you know this. Oh, okay, well, what's, you know, 152 plus 75? And she came up with the answer. Well, what is it if it's multiplied by this? And you see her thinking, and she was, she just stepped back. She goes, and then when she rattles off the answer, she was like so stunned she had to get a calculator. Yeah. She goes, oh, and she goes, and the square root of that is, and she hits square root. She goes, and, and I love the and change. It's like 8.77 and change. Yeah. And, but the teacher didn't, and the kids were sort of like, whoa. <laughs> you know, and, and she as a teacher was sort of kind of like, Whoa! Very good. It's like I, yeah, very good. And, and the scene with the test too is like before she even passes it out to the whole class, she goes, "I'm done." She goes, "You know, I had a feeling you might be so try this." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but it wasn't done in a condescending way. That's the thing too. The teachers they they weren't condescending towards the child. No, you no. know, and I, I I appreciated that. I think that's the the good quality within teachers they're supposed to help harness you know the child's ability to learn and the fact that she recognizes mary was smart enough she helped her you know do more math it's like Mm -hmm. here you go keep challenging yourself a little bit and i think that she did it in a good way and people were willing to help frank adler you know even the principal who you know we don't see in the movie a lot and again she could have been the cliche a cliche villain as well so when Frank is there talking about, you know, yes, hitting's wrong, but you should be, you know, standing up for, for, for her classmate. And the principal's like, well, look, you know, there's this school down the street that, can, that I think she would be better suited for. And Frank Handel's like, yeah, to the tune of 30000 a year, which I can't do. She goes, but I know somebody. I can get her a free scholarship. And when that happened, I was like, wow. Frank, like, I was like, that's actually, somebody's going out of their way. Even after, like, this altercation, the principal says, I know somebody really well. I can get her a free ride. And I was like, that's, it's encouraging to see. And it's also encouraging to see that parents, like even Frank Adler, when he lost when he got angry at Mary, his apology was like right on the money. Like he said to her, I wasn't angry at you. I was angry at myself. It's not you, you know? And it was a very nice scene when he apologized to her um, for, for being a jerk and stepping on Legos. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the adults were treated. Mad at the Lego manufacturers. <laughs> Mad at Lego manufacturers. Um, Adults were treated with a little bit more respect than they could have been if it were in the hands of somebody well, also, else. Also, I mean, what I love, it, it just right off the bat, it set it off like this is not a money issue. You know, this is a mm-hmm. philosophical issue because so many times then, like, forget the character of the principal alone, just the fact of like, okay, well, uh, you know, now we got to scrum together $30,000, so we got to overcome those hurdles. You know, right. it, it wasn't about that. It was strictly, right. is this the right decision to make? Yep. Um, so, so I appreciate just that in yeah. of itself. It just takes it right off the table. Yeah, I liked how like the, the adults, for the most part, they actually did generally care for Mary's well-being and upbringing. 
It, it wasn't, it seemed genuine to the point where it wasn't like exploitation. It was more so, she's talented, let's help her, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, along that route. And the movie shows two extremes to that. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's let's talk about perhaps the you, you know unfortunately just because we don't get enough screen time with them, but the foster parents because sure. uh, whether they being exploitative or exploited is debatable. Although I think they were being exploited more so than exploitative. Um, that was that was um, certainly a, a, a tear jerking moment because of the, all the many things and usually in movies when someone promises it's going to be this way you just know oh, it's not yeah. going to be that no. way no. yeah it was almost like the Kramer versus Kramer moment yeah I mean there was a there was a it was a, it was a very played out scene you understood you know you understood it and that's the great thing it's like you say show don't tell mm-hmm. this, this did both because we got the tell in the, when, when the lawyer talks to him at the boatyard. No. This is the best deal. I think it's the great deal. You can go the other route. They think they're going to lose. I'm pretty sure we're going to lose. This is the best medium. And he sells them a bill of goods, basically. This is your best option. This is why I think it's your best option. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, i got to go home to my kids. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, but yeah. that sets it up that he, he, you know, he understands family and going to kids. To Frank Adler, he's sort of kind of in that conundrum. He's in a rock and a hard place. He wants the best for Mary. This is an option that's presented to him. And to convince himself, well, I have visitation. Evelyn can't. Evelyn's not supposed to be um, intruding. Part of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she has visitation, but she's not supposed to be Not doing what she's doing. Right. And, um, but leaving the daughter... You hear it and you go, okay, this actually does sound like he's only 20 minutes, half hour away. He can go visit her. He can do this. He'll have her on weekends. I hate the deal. No, Uh, well, I I hate it. I I get it. But you understood why Frank was a reasonable deal. It was a reasonable deal. But then the show comes. The show part of that comes and he goes to the house to drop her off and it's right there that. Even if you partially believed in the deal, your gut says, oh, this is just wrong. It's not good. Mm-hmm. It's not good at all. And uh, it was a hard scene. It, very well done. It was hard, especially when they told the audience, like, legitimately, he makes the promise that he won't have her go into the foster care system or, like, you won't leave. And she'll stay right there, and then, like, ten minutes later, you see her going to the foster home. I was like, no, what? You made the promise, and it just, like, I understand that's heartbreaking also just to watch because he made a promise, and it's not like he's going back on his deal, but again, he's he's doing the best he can for her. Yeah. I, I, I thought mean, the act, acting was fantastic. I, I thought it was, too, and, I mean, the, the whole point of it, as I watched it, was, like, it was just material goods. You know, yeah. I mean, the house was great. Yeah. Um, but, we, you know, one, one of the whole reasons, like, we never really got to know the, the parents at all. You know, are they good parents? Are they going to be fun? Like, because he was fun. He was all these things. It's just like, okay, he, we they're going to provide everything that Mary needs, but that's all well and good, but is she going to be happy? 
We never got that. And, and and the only thing that they did, which obviously set up the, the, the whole fact later, was the cat. Are you okay with cats? And that's as much insight as we get on them as possible. There was the cat. And don't forget there was, a, there was an insert shot, too, that... I don't remember the answer. Yeah, shot. Frank Adler, he's in the house <clears throat> that time and questioning. You, you can tell he's sort of questioning what's going on. The, obviously the cat, but then he, he turns and the camera pans down and there's a piano. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the piano. piano, like, remember piano how mad it. you were at me for the piano? And you said that you hope I die and you hated me? <laughs> and he goes, did you really feel that way? She goes, only a little. <laughs> so she said something like that. He sees the piano, and he's like, yeah. it's justification that was brought up in dialogue early. And this is where I really thought that the Well, script, it's also good because it, 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 it reiterates. The, the, the piano was a motif because Evelyn wouldn't let her play the piano. She's right. like, it's bedtime. And she's like, I just want to play the damn piano. I just want to play piano. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was a really uh, – it worked on many different levels, uh, you know, heart, heart-wrenching, heartbreaking – um, but again, I think every, everything was very well earned, too. Everything was very well earned in the movie. My, my one contrivance, my one contrivance, and even though it was set up well, it was the cat. Fred the cat. You know, the one-eyed cat. My only contrivance in the movie was that, okay, so I get it. Bonnie, I think Bonnie is the mm-hmm. teacher's Bonnie. name. She sees the, the, not the wanted sign, but she sees the mugshot of the cat up for adoption. And she's like, oh, I know that. now." And it was set up before because it could be easily said. And this is what I liked about the movie. It sort of covers its tracks, right? Show and tell. Mary brings in her cat. So how could Bonnie really be, really take notice of this cat other than the fact that the kid brought it in for show and tell talked about its one eye and whatever so she sees she goes oh yeah I know that cat oh my god it's up for adoption and then Chris Evans got to run and he's like minutes away from being euthanized like just minute he couldn't just be in a cage like you know maybe people getting ready to adopt him and he's like no 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 <laughs> they had an actual level of him being you eu- eu- almost being euthanized it's like oh yeah he's only got moments left and yeah. i was like uh, it was it, was, yeah, it, it just was, showed his character because he adopted I, all the other cats <laughs> well but that yeah, was funny like, i really liked it <laughs> like, because it showed this moment that like something had to be wrong with with mary yes. for her to give up this cat oh, because yeah. she she loves this cat it's beloved and the fact that the cat is you know not given up for adoption something must be wrong oh I, oh and i like, get that that's the whole thing i'm just like the mere fact that it was just minutes away from its life being taken away but i thought he was going to get all those cats and dump them into evelyn's room well that's not his character yeah. but um you know if nothing else it communicates the fact that it you know as terrible as it is, and I and I hate the guy of two rescue pets, but um, you know they at least the sort of good part, I guess, I, whatever way you look at it. I hate kill shelters in general, but they don't try to do it. You know what I mean? Like it's not their first option. So the fact that Fred was there, he was there for at least a couple of weeks, and so that means Evelyn was there for a couple of weeks. Right. Like, if the, this oh, cat yeah. was just dropped off today, ongoing. you know, it doesn't necessarily communicate that. No. So um, so things weren't right yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And the other part of the script that I enjoyed, again, because it's just follow-through. So there's the scene where they go to Boston, and she's 
um, Mary's going to be tested with the, the, the problem on the chalkboard. And she sits there, she sits there, she sits there, and she's like, you know, she can't figure it out. And then when she leaves with Evelyn, and Evelyn was upset more at the professor, uh, you, you sort of got, she might have been a little bit upset with Mary. But then Mary's like, yeah, but the problem couldn't be done. <laughs> the professor's and, 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 and yeah, the professor's an idiot. And then I'm it, so at that scene, at that moment, I was like, going, "What the hell didn't you speak up? Like, why didn't you? Like, why didn't you speak up?" And so when Evelyn takes her back in and she's going and she tells the problem, I was like, "Great!" But then, thankfully, you had the professor go, "Mary, why why didn't you say anything? If you knew, why didn't you say anything?" I said, "Thank God, because that's the question I had." And her answer was, well, because my yeah. uncle taught me never to tell adults that they're wrong. Correct adults. <laughs> Correct no. adults. No one likes a smart ass. Right. And I was like, perfect. That, that was perfect follow-up. And you tied up a loose end. It was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. She was minding her manners up until she says no one likes a smart ass. <laughs> but I love that scene. <laughs> no, that's typical Frank dialogue for you. Yeah. yeah. But that was also like the nice setup for the whole millennial equation that that gets, you know, resolved at the end, which I really enjoyed. Um, the I, Navier Stokes equation. Yeah. Which, which I, actually is a I didn't realize this. It's an actual equation. Well, I did l- sure look research is. into it. It is a, it's a problem that concerns the mathematical properties and solutions. Um, it, it's one of the pillars of fluid mechanics such as turbulence. Right. And so when you talk about uh, turbulent, like the jet streams and things of that nature, this um, is used heavily in that. Um, and so it works, but they haven't been able to prove it. Yeah, it involves how velocity, pressure, temperature, density of a moving fluid are related. In a gas or a liquid state. By blood. That's how. I, <laughs> again, it's way above my mathematical knowledge, but I didn't know such a thing like I didn't know this millennium prize problem existed but it actually but it does listen it this <laughs> but here's inspiration to anyone out there it is offered at one million dollars as prize money to the first person providing a solution for a specific statement of the problem or counterpoint interesting Go, George. Was that being cash or check? I'll go tell my dad that. (laughs) (laughs) My dad's an actual math teacher, so. Uh, So yeah, you know, I I I appreciate that it was it was all real. Um, (laughs) I love um, in terms of what what I loved also just the small characterization at the beginning between um, Bonnie and Frank. After you know, she, uh, Mary pulls the smart ass thing of you know the square root of blah 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 such and such. Right. Um, we understand where she got her smarts from, and we understand you know because Frank's not just a wasted. We learn right then and there that Frank's not a wasted character. He just has a sort of bad viewpoint of things because he's right. like, listen, she just did and uh, uh, the the Trachtenberg I believe method. It's nothing fancy. Nowadays, with a calculator, it's kind of obsolete. (laughs) So he explains why she was able to do it, and again, uh, uh, showcasing the fact that it was Frank that helped teach her. But it, you know, as he says, like it's useless. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's the way he sort of views the gift right now. Unfortunately, you know, speaking of the math too, um, 
they took great pains in in trying to ensure that this wasn't a a supernatural quality that the math exists that the, you know there are gifted kids out there and they met with psychologists of of of, of psychologists who do deal with gifted children and they even went as far they they met this uh, Terence Tao um, a mathematics professor and uh, at UCLA, and and this guy is a Fields Medal winner who is an expert on the Navier Stokes, and deemed the only person to have come very close to solving it. And it was a colleague of Terry's at UCLA that turned her, uh, the producers, on to Jordan uh, Ellenberg, who wrote a book called How Not to Be Wrong. Yeah, I'd love to understand that book, number one, because I'm told on a almost daily, hourly basis, I can be wrong, that I'm wrong, but the power of mathematical thinking. So they brought her along, um, and Jordan Ellenberg was, you know, Ellenberg was two years old. Uh, it's a she, I'm sorry. Uh, see, I'm wrong. Uh, he taught himself to read by watching Sesame Street. Now, I watch Sesame Street and sort of count. I, I learned how so. to count by, you know. Sesame Street uh, taught right. me English. His mother did not find out until one day when she was driving on the Capitol Beltway, the toddler told her where she needed to turn. The sign said Bethesda's to the right. Mm-hmm. So she was two years old telling her, giving her mom um, directions. Um, so I just find that. So, so they bring her in or bring him in to help Mackenzie Grace say the lines and I, I liked how they had those people tutoring, in a sense, at least guiding them. And then uh, he was also actually in the movie as well. They put him in the movie yeah, the for, for his efforts. Yeah, so that's sort of kind of cool. Here's some inspiration as a quick side tangent since knowledge is part of this. But um, and if you guys disagree, feel free to let me know, although I don't want to get too caught up into it. But um, number one, I, I'm a firm believer that anyone can learn anything. Number two, um, in some sense... Uh, one of the easiest ways to learn is just to binge. Unfortunately, like, the regular school curriculum is designed for the lowest common denominator, <laughs> you know, but obviously, and you know, that's that's why you hear all those stories of, like, people completing college in two years, because it can be done, you know. So, it take that can for what be, it's, but, I, you know, uh, my only counter worth. to that is I'm just living proof. I've had, I had math tutors just, like, be terrible. Keep your money. Uh, I quit. <laughs> or, actually, no. It wasn't keep your money. I hope the check clears. I'm never coming back. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. lost cause. Like, math for me well, I'm not saying, was the uh, hardest subject. And I tried very hard because it was the one subject that I would get a C. Like, if I got a C in math, I was like, I passed? <laughs> so it was like the one B minus C plus, C, C plus on my report card ever was always in math. Yeah. It's just a language I just could not. Well, I do Maybe think... Maybe I had bad teachers. I don't know. I don't... I mean, here's the thing. I think anyone can learn anything, but it's also dependent on the passion that they have towards it. You have to and, apply yourself to it. I... Well, the, the, I applied. I'm telling you, well, I applied. Again, I don't necessarily want to get in too far into it, but what I'm saying is, you have. To, I, I think there's a side to it. Like with Mary, I, you know, we we never in this movie explored how good is she at the English language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever. And that's not to say people can have one trade over the other, but I'm saying, you know, it's good to sort of figure out what you love and and commit to it. You know, and you can have hobbies and you can have passions or whatever. But yeah, there's a side to it. Like you know, you just didn't gravitate towards math. Uh, no, not at all. So I mean, there you but, go. That's but, it. But, but, but yes, I gravitated towards movies. 
Thing. So I'm gifted at going to the I'm gifted at going to the movies, uh, seeing movies multiple times, and maybe talking about them. But it doesn't mean nobody else can. I'm just saying, math for me, like even with biology and English and and math even was Spanish, it was hard. It was it was just hard for me to 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 do to 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 comprehend to comprehend. Oh. So well, you know, you know, you and me both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we've I'm talked not, about it. We've I'm had, not going to get into it. Yeah, so. we've we've talked right. about it. So, well, like I said, uh, I didn't want to divert too much. No, but, but I think it's 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 a fun thing to to talk about, particularly when we're talking about gifted and where people's gifts lie. Um, you know, and I think, but but I think thematically, the most important part of this movie is 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 what's the best course of, of action, and and how do we treat this kid and. And she should be treated as... A, because you believe in Chris Evans. You go, well, yeah, she should have a childhood. She should she should be a person. She should socialize and have friends. At the same, how do we accomplish that while, accompli- while accommodating her gift? You know, Because to me, that is a gift. Um, going to the movies, not so much a gift. But mathematics or anything like that that can better people, to me... It was a perfect gift, and that's where uh, the, the movie, I thought, really set those two things very well. Uh, I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit more production, too. Let's so we, do it. Let's dive have, into it. We have a movie that was set in Florida, but it was filmed and shot around Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't Tibia, tell. T- Tibia Island, Georgia, and they filmed it on film. Yeah, and uh, and the production benefited from being there because of all the universities, particularly the Savannah uh, College of Art and Design, and their film department actually contributed to the staffing of the film for... Yeah, SCAD is really good. Yeah, um, good production assistants and, and things like that, so... Uh, so I really, so it was really good that they they did a really good job, and knowing, uh, partic- particularly from a production designer standpoint, who Laura Fox, who worked on Five Hundred Days of Summer, making Georgia look like Florida, um, you know, she did a really good job, uh, and I liked the color tones too were very important. That at the beginning it was a little bit more colorful that we see, and as the movie gets a little more dramatic. Yeah, to, to that point, Mark Re- Mark Webb, you know, you know, the director said uh, because this movie was shot on film, he says uh, I love shooting on film. I don't know how to explain it other than I wanting an analog experience. He wanted to feel more real and gritty, and uh, you know, to to go off of the color, he said um, that I feel like I can get a little bit more contrast out of it, and there is subtlety in the colors using film. So you get a whole different aesthetic look. When you use film compared to digital, yeah, so that's why. That's what many of them say, and you know, it's. I didn't know it was shot on film, um, and, and again, mm-hmm. I think I say if well, there are no more film projectors uh, in movie theaters, so uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, um, the last Oculus movie that I talked about one of the one of the gems of that movie, the the, the sequel. Not, not 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 Oculus. What's Ouija? Ouija two? The Origins of Evil? Mm-hmm. One of the beauty. One of the wonderful gems about that movie was it was shot digitally, but film. Um, things that are characteristic to a film being projected were in there. The real change dots. 
uh, soundtrack, which is things like that. I was like going, oh my head, I haven't seen a, uh, I haven't seen a real change dot in forever. So you can shoot on film, but all that stuff's going to be taken away digitally anyways. Um, and they can enhance and do what they want. Um, I just wonder if that added, I mean, if it was, it's a low budget movie. So I just wonder if that was like the best route for them to go as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's it was nice. And again, when you're going back to independent and Mark wanted to go smaller, I sort of appreciate that he yeah, wanted he, to shoot on He film. wanted to use a small crew because, you know, he's worked on amazing <clears throat> Spider-Man and all that. And, like, he, he liked working with a small crew because it didn't hinder him with, like, all these big decision-makings that he had to do. Um, you know, a lot of times you can just get work done with less amount of people. And, and this is happening more and more, I think, too. I, I've always talked about this, how... Small, small directors. I don't mean this in a in a disparaging way, but but I'll just call them independent directors, like Colin Trevorrow, right? Uh, um, Mark Webb, uh, being another directors. one. Independent directors who make small films, and then they're given the keys to the Lamborghini, so they get like Jurassic World. They'll get they'll get Spider Man. They'll get like Godzilla. They'll get James Wan did uh, the last Fast and Furious movie, right? The one thing that they all seem to do once they're done with that experience is go, go back, back to being small. Colin Trevorrow's movie, uh, which I saw a trailer for, uh, forgive me, I forget the title, but it's a smaller film. Mark Webb is doing this. Uh, we even had John Favreau uh, did Chef, Chef. before. Oh, it was a great yeah, film. Yeah, it's a great indie film. Goes, they, they, they tend to go back. James Wan was like, oh, I'm going to do another Conjuring movie <laughs> because... Yeah, and I like the sense. It's like I feel like I have a little more control. I can be a little more creative. Um, they they enjoy going back to doing that. So you know, before they step into, before they step into maybe doing another big feature again. Yeah, and th- there's an intimacy. Uh, I mean, just by that nature, there's an intimacy <clears throat> towards the project. There's an intimacy of on set. I mean, you know, I mean, imagine if you're the little girl, you're Chris Evan, you're you're McKenna and Chris. And you're doing any one of those scenes, and there's a crew. Like, imagine the crew that it took to film that New York scene in Amazing Spider-Man Two, watching mm-hmm. you as you guys talk about philosophy. Right. <laughs> like, it's not the best environment, right? Yeah. You want to set it up so it's right. nice and, and controlled and, and, and settled, and, and obviously it reflects the tone of the movie. It's yeah. not a fast-paced action movie. No. Yeah. Like no. Amazing Spider-Man. There's not a lot of VFX or you know, or uh, there's actually one VFX in in this movie that you may not know. Fred the cat uh, is, actually, is actually has, two-eyed has cat? two-eyed cat. It's it's a regular two-eyed cat, Damn but they all. actually used to VFX. That's like, that's for, that's, that's a good visual eye. effect. Yeah. It's racist against one-eyed cats. They I couldn't mean, find a one-eyed cat. They should have found a cis two-eyed <laughs> cat for this role. Found, uh, <laughs> Too bad they couldn't. No, well, he's the. I, you he's know, we say that lightly, now. but like, like there are cats that have that mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Sure. You know, um, and so it's just one of those things like okay. they exist, so you didn't even need to do that, but yeah. I guess he did. So here's something they cool. did some VFX for the cast, <laughs> which is funny to me because it looked real to me. I thought they just had a one, maybe it was just a set cat. What do I know? But the production offices, speaking of set cats, the production offices and costume department, they used a, a, the bottom half of a, of a half abandoned strip mall. Which is so you, you'd walk in and they built a section for each character that contained not only their wardrobe but what had inspired her. Uh, and this is the um, the costume des- designer Abby O'Sullivan. Um, 
you know, so in the, in this I found interesting because she had what inspired her to do so not only for the characters but costuming that that might have inspired her. So so catch this. So um, but what had inspired her to create these looks? Uh, so whether it was a picture of Steve McQueen or a surfer or a little kid on the beach, O'Sullivan had specific Im- images in her mind. So part of Chris Evans's wardrobe was inspired by Steve McQueen. She's like, oh, I saw him wearing, I saw a picture of him wearing a shirt like that. That's what I want him to look like. So I think that's sort of kind of cool. You know, yeah. going old school to new school. Absolutely. Um, any other production notes that you guys have? I couldn't uh, find too many things, but if there's anything, any other tidbits that you guys have. Other than the fact that, you know, they filmed this relatively quick, and they filmed, uh, they ended, they began filming October 2015 and ended its last summer. Like, the, with the full, you know, editing and whatnot, they finished it in October last yeah. year. Well, cinematography, which, again, for a small movie, it looked really good. Stuart Dysbergs, um, he was behind the camera, and, um, you know, he was praised by Cohen uh, as, you know, he created these tableaus with, uh, tableaus with his lighting, whether it's a sunset or a boat dock or the boat repair area, um, something that could be so mundane and nicely lit. And, you know, you mentioned that scene with the sunset. Um, mm-hmm. They did that in two shots. The silhouette. Yeah. Again, it was, a, it was a really beautifully shot um, scene in the way that it looked with the light, the reds and, yep. and the colors. Um so even for an independent movie, um, this movie really looks it looks good, and it, and it, and it gave warmth where right. warmth was needed, where warmth was needed, and it could get cold. The courtroom scenes they didn't want it to be To Kill a Mockingbirdish, so they put in windows, but the, I really like the courtroom scenes uh, a lot. Yeah, those were done. Well. Yeah, they were done well, really, really well. It was interesting, you know. To your point about directors being on big movies, then going to indie movies. Uh, I mean, more most recently he worked on Alice Through the Looking Glass, then The Great Wall, which uh, obviously I don't know. That's the order that they came out, but the order that he actually worked on, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, we both agree those are, regardless of box office numbers, those are two huge movies. Two big movies. Two big Absolutely. undertakings There's a for, lot for of this guy. Cinematography in those films. Absolutely, and he's done things like Schindler's List. Um, he actually did the, uh, the Boardwalk Empire pilot um, with Scorsese. Well, it was, he must have been for Schindler's List. That that was um, Andre camera department. He was camera part. Department, he was part yeah. of the camera. But yeah. you know, I mean, he's worked, worked on. Big he's worked with like big directors and Mark Webb uh, to his own right. You know, is is, uh, is you know he's directed two two blockbusters. And again, mm-hmm. regardless of what you regardless of what you think of about the second Amazing Spider Man, whether it's good or bad. Uh, it didn't lose money. Yeah. It didn't. It was still. Uh, it still brought in a, a lot of money. I just never understood that from from Sony. It's just like, uh, whatever. We're gonna toss it out. And, and I, I actually felt bad for Webb and for the rest of the cast because they never got to at least finish out their trilogy that yeah. they were contracted. They. I hope they got paid out for what for what they might have gotten paid for the for the third movie but it was like mm-hmm. they just cast it aside so yeah. I, yeah. I think they got some money but but anyway that's neither here nor there unfortunately we'll talk about that with Spider-Man Homecoming yes <laughs> all right um shall we talk reception sure uh this is the part that sometimes i love sometimes i hate in this mm-hmm. regard i hate it cuz it has a 63 to my knowledge uh last time i checked 
on Rotten Tomatoes. It was that this morning? Because yesterday it was at a 65, so it went down. That's 65, so, you know. Yeah. Well, I have 64, so... It's within that range. So we'll call it a sixty. <laughs> we'll call it a sixty-four. Um, regardless, I just don't understand it. Uh, mm-hmm. That it has, people say it has a predictable um, premise. Okay, I don't necessarily think. I don't think that's true at all. <clears throat> um, I'm just baffled. And the irony is, from I, I've just been going review after review, and the cliche tagline is "gift is a gift to cinema." <laughs> And so I'm like, well, why only sixty? We'll go with sixty-four. Yeah, I don't right. under I don't understand. Um, actually, going into the movie, I thought it was higher. Coming out of the movie, I thought it was going to be high, like a, a, a solid number. Not that sixty-five sucks. I think sixty-five still falls in, or sixty-four still falls in within the realm of fresh. I mean, why don't we just look it up for crying out loud? I mean, we have the technology. Um, but I just think I was. A little bit shocked, and I was reading some of the reviews. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know anymore about brethren critics and what movie they're watching, um, because we talk about we talked about the smartness of this script, mm-hmm. right? I only found one thing that was a con- I felt was a contrivance, but it's so minor that I can easily overlook. Because the emotional heft of this film, number one, it was genuinely earned. It never pandered to me. The, the types of movies that I loathe, okay, the types of movies that I loathe are those in which I see, you feel as if a PA is on set and he's holding up a flashcard saying, this is the scene where you cry now. You mm-hmm. must cry at this scene. Like... When something tells me that I have to do something, that's it'll turn me off. Okay, this movie didn't do that. It earned it earned its laughter from me. It earned its emotion from me. I felt that it was genuine. The relationship between Frank and Mary, I, I really loved. Um, I love the nurturing aspect of it. And then it didn't give me a cliche villain or antagonist. Uh, it gave me good supporting characters. It gave me people that I. Well, that, essentially, that felt they, good. they essentially they did kind of give you an antagonist with Evelyn, but the fact right. that like even at the end her character had some redemption and some heart at the end, and the fact that like she came around, uh, I think this film did a great job of balancing a lot of different storylines that all had a resolve at the end. We see so many movies, and we talk about so many movies where they set up something and it just falls flat or it never got completed. Right. Every storyline in this film came to fruition and came full circle with the results at the end. And I think they did a great job of perfectly mixing it and balancing it throughout the film, along with humor and moments of when you get emotional. And the happy results. Yeah, and happy results at the end. At the end, I was like, wow, that was a great film. But the fact that the people are giving this a lower score than what it should just makes me think these people are heartless and they're, they're just finding something to hate on. And I don't know what it could be. I think people just don't want to be like so many movies are just not happy. Those are the ones that get the the high scores. Like, come on, can't we just be happy? Well, right. it, well, but the, and that's what I don't understand. But this movie, it doesn't necessarily pander. It never overstays its welcome too. That's no, it's another short thing as too. Hell. Yeah, it's, it's, short. it's like an hour and forty minutes. Okay, it wasn't dragged out to two hours and twenty minutes unnecessarily. We got we go in, we go out. We have a beginning. We have a good middle. 
and we have a good end, and we have an ending that's, that's satisfactory, okay? And, and it's a journey. We have, we have a character arc of, of Frank Adler. We even have a character arc for little Mary, okay? And that's what we look for. And, but first and foremost, for me, I want to be entertained. I walked out of this movie. I was entertained, you know? And that's not saying that, to an extent, I wasn't entertained by a movie like Manchester by the Sea, Oof. right? It's a very depressing movie. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, but I was engaged for, for the two hours of that movie going on. So entertainment is very broad as to what I, you know, I have to be engaged in one way, shape, or form. This movie engaged me in a very positive way where I actually felt good and and I think in today's day and age, I said this about Hidden Figures, we sort of kind of need that, and we need that positivity to, to seep through. And that's why if you're watching us and you haven't seen the movie, if anything, I'm hoping that you'll be inspired to go tell your friends about this movie, and you yourself will take your friends. It was released in a really weird fashion, too, from Fox Searchlight. Very limited. Well, not... not so, it was released in 56 locations, okay? Which usually a studio, when they're going to release a movie that they feel is going to be artsy, right? They'll release it in New York and they'll release it in LA, maybe four locations, okay? This movie, Fox Searchlight said, we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to give it a, a little bit of a bigger berth. We'll open it up in like 56 because we want to generate word of mouth. Now, I don't know if this strategy, hopefully this strategy works for them, because I know the plan is to um, expand it and get it out there. And it didn't do horribly. It didn't do horrible on its opening weekend, um, considering how many screens it was on. But even the head of Fox Searchlight said, we didn't go out for, we, we, did, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't reaching money. for the, well, we weren't reaching for per screen average. We wanted mm. to get the movie out there. And we wanted to get word of mouth back and see how audiences are appreciating it. And they are. And, you know, so thus far, it's made, I think it opened up at um, 56 theaters. Uh, it came in at $446,000. Currently, it's almost at a million dollars with 969000 um, So we'll see if this pays off to, for them in the run. We're obviously talking about it. And um, hopefully, and if you have seen the movie... You'll go tell your friends, and maybe we made you more enthusiastic about the movie. Or maybe if you were quasi, hmm, did I like the movie or not? Maybe, maybe we will change your mind. Because it deserves to be, it's, it deserves to be seen. This is the movie that my mom would go, is it a nice movie? And I'd say, yes, mom, this is a nice movie for you to go see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it is. Marissa, your dad should see it for sure. For oh, sure. I called my parents in the movie theater. <laughs> well, the do that. Going, don't, no, oh. like, in fairness, you were that person. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, it was when the movie ended. I was with someone else. They went Fair to the enough. bathroom, and I called my parents, and I told them about this film. Yeah. So, like, I was still at the movie theaters, legitimately, yeah. still physically there, already recommending it to other people to watch this yeah. film. Yeah. So. Well, you, you know, you... Uh, because I follow, well, I follow, I follow the whole crew here on Twitter, and uh, you had tweeted out that you, you really enjoyed the movie. That was a good uh, movie. And I, and, I, yeah. and I retweeted your tweet, and I had a little 
quip about it. But, uh, yeah, you know, if I'm retweeting this, is, does that technically mean I'm regifting? But then when I saw it, I did tweet out that I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it, it, do I call it a gift to movie theaters? Um, it's just a good movie for you to see. You'll feel good. And what's wrong good. with, in today's day and age, just feeling good and about seeing a small movie that's, that's character-driven, that has good performances, acute as buttons, yeah. smart girl. Which, by the way, she, uh, Mar- Marissa posted a promo pic, and, um, and McKenna actually comments. She's like, be nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, number one, I, we were always going to be, but number two, it's just nice that, uh, you know, obviously she's caring about it in that way. Yeah. Uh, she's I think, not a small like she's got quite a, she's got like a, unless I just looked at it wrong I think she's got like 300,000 followers she's, she's got quite the following I mean she's been in a lot of big stuff you guys yeah, um, so she don't need to be she has a big commenting career, on yeah, us she has a big career ahead of her because like I think she has the talent of you know young Dakota Fanning like she could break your heart when she was a kid you know think of like I Am Sam that movie's great um, but like I I can't wait to see where McKenna is in 10 years because she's going to be amazing. Yeah, she could be. Um, all right, so 64% Rotten Tomatoes. I just <laughs> found it. So 64%. There you go. I mean, she could be. You know, l- listen, uh, we've seen many child actors of that age who are great at that age, and then something silly happens when they grow older. Now, there are many contributing factors to that. It could be growing just going through puberty could be that that's nature and parents parents are also a very big factor and they could torpedo a career if they're not careful so i hope that she continues to have longevity in this business because it can be very very tough yeah. on children and sometimes um, they just don't want to you know sometimes they, they, they do it and realize that it's not for me. But yeah. I, th- I think she right now, she she truly is talented. And, yeah. and I hope, like, she, she does, you know, flourish from from her talent because yeah. she can be amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think she's great. And we've talked we've talked about other movies where child actors, they, they've been okay to watch. But, like, she's truly talented in the fact that, like, she's a child actress who can, like, break your hearts and actually feel something. She's mm-hmm. just good at acting, so... I just, I just hope for the best for her. Yeah, honestly. it's. I'm always, like I said, I'm always afraid of, of of actresses, actors at that age sometimes. And the worst thing for me uh, is if you see a child actor who's in a role that the person can't handle the role, um, and. I try to be very careful. I, I do not want to be a person who bags on a kid for his performance. I will blame the director more so than than the kid because they're not getting a, like the performance that they should be or maybe they picked the wrong person. You know, the little boy, the little boy who played little Anakin right now, I forget his name. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Um, but the little boy who played that role in episode one. Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. Thank Boom. you very much. You know, that kid got eviscerated. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? He's a kid. Like, and there's a reason probably why he's not doing, or maybe got out of the business. I know he did a a Home Alone sequel that went directly to video. But my point is, even I I have response. I feel like I have responsibility. Yeah, to to not like you can't like you put that kid's in a role, and if it's a big role like this one, and the kid stinks, you can't pick on the kid. Like, don't because. 
you know, you want you might want to nurture. There's a philosophy. Blame the adults around it, but don't eviscerate that like the huh. kid. There's no reason here we're praising uh, McKenna huh. Grace because she's a she's a good actor, and I hope her parents have the sense to allow her to be a kid. This is the important thing. If they don't allow her to be a kid, then she's going to be in this this silly fakakta world, and then she won't have a life, and then she'll grow up to be a stinky actress and only feel like a Drew Barrymore can rebound from that, mm-hmm. you know. But don't put her in the hole. Just nurture her and allow her to be a kid. Let her go to, you know, pizza. Well, I mean, I, I think it's cheese. like also you have to have strike that balance of being a kid, being like the the regular um, child compared to being a child actor mm-hmm. as well. I was thinking like Freddie Highmore, he started as a child actor sure. who could also break your hearts and he's had a really great career since and he has unfortunately gone off the deep end either. So yeah. like that's the way to do it. If you if you treat if you like actually have some balance, then yeah. And you have you good yeah. And you have a good support system. It's mm-hmm. a nurturing support system. Um, you know, uh, even even Emma Watson, we talked about her. You know, she was very young when she was playing uh, Hermione in the very first Harry Potter movie. And as she grew older, uh, whatever, whoever guided her, whoever helped put the seed in her head, go get an education, do this. Yeah, Natalie Portman. Natalie look, Portman. And look at her. Well, Jodie Foster. Yeah, so Jodie Foster's another. She's so a perfect. Many. You know, so the list so. goes on. Yeah. yeah. So. So. I think the spirit, though, of all of it is captured in this movie. Right? Absolutely. You can apply that to the same thing. You know, whatever talent someone has, whether it's acting, mathematics, or or anything else, English, so forth, cartology even. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a skill, man. It's a skill. Going so, to the movies. It is you a skill. Listen. cartology you. skills to learn how to go to the movies. You know, find your way there. True. There you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap this up, Marissa? I love this film. I, I think it's like sometimes simple films are the best. The, the simple films that, unfortunately, no one sees are the ones that people should see and should talk about. And I definitely think this is one of those films. And I hope it gets expanded to more theaters. And I hope more people see it because it is a great film. Um, the the moral lessons you take out of it, the foundations of growing up, and the importance of being a regular human being compared to also being gifted. It's also it, I think it was just so well balanced and um, conveyed in this film that you won't get anywhere else. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I, I do believe it's going to expand uh, with this weekend and the upcoming weeks. That's that's the plan. I believe the word of mouth uh, is, has been very solid on this movie. Encourage people to see this movie. It's a good movie. You will feel good. Um, and it has very good performances. We've got A-list talent working on this. I mean, Mark Webb, if you're if you're directing any franchise kind of picture and you didn't bring it to complete failure, which the movies may have been okay, but they weren't complete failures. Chris Evans, you know, we know what he's been doing lately. It's good to see these people outside of this realm Good to see Octavia Spencer. You're going to see a good movie, nurture nature kind of thing. And at the end of the day, you're going to walk out and you're going to feel good. And you might just learn something. You Mm -hmm. might. You Uh, might. So I'll leave it there. Um, You know, you guys have heard my thoughts summarized. I love the movie. So um, on behalf of at D Movies 1701. Thanks. Yeah. On behalf of at Serafini TV. That's right. And I, and I have to say, last week when I follow me, you know, I had um, 
I had like two more people follow me and go. I followed them back and they DM'd me and they were actually, people had nice things to say. It was so very heartwarming. If you want to DM yeah. Dimitri, you got to follow him. Follow him and yeah, I'll follow him. So. All right. And at the Popcorn Talk, uh, we've got exciting things uh, on the Popcorn Talk network coming. Um, I won't just give it away just yet. But we might be doing some cool stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, so teasing. Uh, we, we've got a lot of in the pipeline. Uh, as far as anatomy is concerned, of course, you can go through the archives. We've done a lot of movies. In fact, uh, whether it's Octavia Spencer, we've covered a lot of her movies. Chris Evans, we've covered Snowpiercer and a lot of the Marvel movies. Um, a lot of them. And uh, upcoming, we've got uh, The Fate of the Furious. We've got... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man: Homecoming, hmm. all Baby these Driver. That, we've got a ton oh of them. Oh God, that looks terrible. <laughs> but we'll see. Oh, no judgments. <laughs> what did we talk about, Marissa? We'll, last episode, we'll we will see. not make judgments until we see the movie. We'll see. <laughs> all right, that's a, that's your last parting lesson. Do not judge movies until you actually see them. Unless you really just think it sucks. No. <laughs> I don't yeah, believe in that. All right. Thank you guys as always. Please let us know your your, your thoughts and opinions down below. Um, and let us know what your ma- favorite math subject is. Yeah. There you go. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. of the anatomy of a movie staff we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show if you have any questions or comments feel free to email or tweet us i'm sir richard wentworth and this has been anatomy of a movie